How we doing? I had to unmute myself. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm glad you're here today. Hope you're uh, excited that it's raining. Somewhere. Not here. So uh, it's supposed to, but you know what? That's okay, right? I did my rain dance, so I've done all I can do. I asked the Lord, and we'll see what happens from here. Really excited. This week's an exciting week for us because a, a team of nine is leaving for Cuba on Wednesday, Wednesday, August the 15th. We're leaving. In fact, August the 15th is kind of a famous day in history, so you guys would know. Two very important people were born that day, uh, Napoleon and Julius Caesar, just so you guys would know that, okay? Um, so that's an important day. We're leaving on the 15th. We're going to be in Cuba for six days. We'll be training pastors. We'll be hosting a married couples uh, event, and then we'll also be working with kids. I, how many kids? They said between 50 and 150. That's a big difference, y'all. And then on Sunday, I'll be preaching there in the Cuban church, and then uh, we're going to be heading, heading back. So we really need your prayer support. So in the back of the room, back on the table back there, the new believers packets are located. We have some prayer guides for us, for you. So you could go with us in prayer to Cuba. And each day I have listed what we're doing that day, how you could pray for us. And so we want you to take, uh, we want to take you with us. And we've got some there for our team. So Amber, if we'll pick up some for our team to have as well, so they can uh, look at things we could be praying about. And four, a couple of big things I want to ask you to pray about as we go. First of all, pray for our physical and uh, our emotional health, okay? Because it's, it's a big deal. Uh, you can't drink the water there. You shouldn't eat anything with a peeling still on it. You can peel it and eat it. But if you eat the peeling, uh, uh, the peel, it will cause a terrible problem, a gastronomical problem. Yeah, that's uh, you really don't want. I was reminded of that problem when I went to Malawi recently. My last day there, I was at this high-end hotel, beautiful salad bar, had these gorgeous tomatoes on it with peelings. And I ate the tomato, and as I ate it, I went, what have I done? And about 10 hours later, I realized what I had done. And for about the next three months, it was time to feed the amoebas. So uh, that's just too much information, isn't it? Yeah. So you pray for us and also pray for our, our emotional health as we're going to be stretched. We're going to have many opportunities to do a lot of different things. So flexibility is a big, big deal for us. So just pray, pray that our team comes together. Pray for Mitch as he translates me on numerous occasions. <laughs> Mitch is going, please beg Jesus on my behalf. So uh, we're looking forward to all that, Mitch, which we're going to do. Uh, you just watched a video about groups, groups at first. Uh, this fall, we're launching, we want to launch 50 new groups. And we have groups that meet on campus on Sunday mornings, on campus. These two girls that were in this video today, the, the Jamies, they uh, meet in a women's Bible study here on campus on Wednesday nights. They take advantage of our children's ministry opportunities, our kids' ministry opportunities, and they, they meet together and they form great community. Um, our kids' ministry's got a name change. They're going to call themselves KFC, Kids First Club. How about that? Does that sound cool? I was thinking fried chicken. I was disappointed. I guess Melinda's going to dress up like the colonel, and they're going to have whatever. <laughs> She's going to shoot me when she hears I went public with that. But anyway, that's, uh, that's going to happen. Uh, Tara and I are going to be starting a new group coming this fall. We'll let you know when that is for couples. Uh, it's going to meet at our home on Wednesday nights as well. Plus, minute first, we gather. Now, we're not gathering this month, guys, so don't show up Thursday looking for something to eat. You won't find it. 
But starting September 6th, we're meeting every other week, and we're going to continue our minute first group gathering. So you guys look forward to that. So a lot of great things that are going on. Tonight uh, at 5 o'clock, we're having a leadership summit. Every one of you is invited as we look under the hood about what we're doing and who we are. Now, one of the commitments we have at this church is that we are a, uh, a teaching church. We want to help other churches build lives that honor God. And so an important part is our R&D, our research and development. So I want to show you guys what we've been thinking. And it's been a year that we've been together. We're going to look at our game plan, where, how, what, what, how we've progressed and what God is doing. I think you guys are going to be amazed. So that's tonight at 5. There will be ice cream, okay? So you guys look forward to that. Are you all excited about that? Yeah. Now, when something's repeated in the Bible four times, you really ought to pay attention. Wouldn't you think? Now, this thing we're going to talk about today, the great commandment. When I say that, most of you go, okay, I know what that is. Some of you go, I don't know what that is. But by the end of this, I think all of us are going to know what this is. But the great commandment of God is listed four times in Scripture. Now, there's things that are listed several times in Scripture. Uh, there's ones listed three times. Solomon says three times in the book of Proverbs, it's better to live someplace else than with a mad woman. Better to live in the rooftop, in the, in the attic, or out in the desert than with a mad woman. Can I get an amen, guys? Okay, yeah, some of y'all are brave. That's good, that's right. Now, not talking about my wife. She never gets mad at me. But we're talking about just three-time repeat. Now, this is found four times. So if it's found four times, then we really ought to be paying attention to what God is trying to say to us. Um, so open my laptop and there's a, a message. I'm going to ignore it. Okay, here we go. So let's look at together at these four-time repeating of this one commandment. Now, let me read for you. First, it's found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema, or this is the great commandment that God gave the Hebrew children. Now, Deuteronomy is also known as Deuteros Nomos, the second law, the second law. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and writing these five books, he got to Deuteronomy, and he was reminding the people of Israel what God had said for them to do. You know what I've discovered with us, with me? I need to be reminded more than I need to be instructed. I need to be reminded. I know in school we had learned, we'd get introduction to a new idea, and then it was reminded, 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 reminded until we got it. I've discovered this too, that I really don't know something until I'm asked to teach it. Until I'm asked to teach it. That's why this is going to be really helpful for me tonight if you come and let me teach you what I've been learning. That'll help me be a better leader. So y'all could come as a ministry and eat ice cream, okay? So ice cream could be a ministry. Okay, you're serving God by eating ice cream. Are, are y'all with me on that one? Okay, y'all are slow today. Okay, so Deuteronomos, the Shema, the famous, the outstanding commandment of God, and it starts like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And then Moses goes on to write this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. These are the words I've commanded you today shall be on your heart. Why do you say on your heart? Because your heart is the seedbed of your passion. What you really care about is on your heart. In your mind, could be an intellectual capacity where you kind of understand it theoretically or intellectually. 
We don't say to our loved ones, hey, I love you with all my mind. We say, I love you with all my heart because that's the seedbed of compassion. This shall be on your heart. See, God wants you to have a passionate love relationship with him, not just an intellectual engagement with him. Now, for some of you, you're going, what? All my life, I've been talking about study God, study God, study God. You know, we even call it Bible study. Should we call it Bible application? Bible life? Or group connection? Isn't it more important that the Word of God permeate out from us and just not lodge within us? So this should be on your heart, that your life would be changed. Now, the second time is found in the book of Matthew. Matthew, one of the followers, disciples of Jesus, was a tax collector, turned into a disciple, into a preacher, and he was writing with a specific audience in mind. He was writing to Jewish people. And so when Matthew would write his gospel, he was writing to show Jewish people that Jesus was the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. So you'll find several times Jesus Matthew says, it thus fulfilled this prophecy, and thus fulfilled this prophecy, and thus fulfilled this prophecy. In Matthew's gospel, now the four gospels, uh, there's four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of them are called the synoptic gospels, which means you get a 3D look at Jesus from the advantage of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew writing to Jewish people, he says that Jesus was challenged by a lawyer, a religious leader, and his guy was trying to trick Jesus kind of stomp Jesus on theology. Now, looking back at hindsight, that's like the stupidest thing ever. You're going to try to trick God on theology. I mean, theology means studying God. Who knows God better than God? And so he's going to try to trick Jesus, and he says to Jesus, so tell me what is the greatest commandment? And then Jesus said this, you, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the, the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This guy's going, okay, he just quoted the Shema. How can I argue with that? That um, this, is, this is the commandment of God. And in fact, in a conversation, kind of in that same kind of pocket of Scripture, they were having a discussion with Jesus about you know, if someone died, whose wife would they be? I got to adjust my table so it doesn't rock. I'll get there. I got it. Okay, good. I got one of those legs that's different than the other ones. I have to keep moving it. I'm just OCD. It's okay. I'll take my medicine when we're done. All right, back on track. That uh, Jesus, they asked asking, said, okay, if, if, my, if a woman gets married and her husband dies and she marries his brother, marries his brother, married, and she married seven times, when she dies, whose husband is it going to be in the afterlife? You know, here's the deal. Those guys asking the question didn't even believe in the afterlife. They were just jacking with Jesus. And Jesus said this, the problem you guys have is that you don't know Scripture. <laughs> they were the, like the seminary professors of the day. Do you think they like that? But the problem with us is that we don't allow Scripture to rest in our hearts. We just let it kind of absorb our intellect. And so Jesus said, the third time it said, it was said in the book of Mark. Mark was the first one to write the Gospels, and Mark wrote kind of a general overview. Mark hung out with Jesus. Uh, Mark hung out with Paul. 
Uh, and his also name is, in the Bible is John Mark. So it's the same guy, Mark. He dropped the John, I guess, when he got older. Like a lot of y'all used to call Chucky. Now you're just called Charles. Okay? Only your high school friends still call you Chucky. Just saying. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Okay. But John, John Mark wrote this. And, and there again, Jesus is being challenged. And John Mark wrote this. Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Notice Mark went four deep. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Which really is not an add-on, but really is an expression of the totality of the Shema. That God wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want compartmentalized you. He wants all of you. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, think about this. How many commandments were there? Well, 10. But then there were more. In fact, the uh, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy was so extrapolated by the Pharisees that they had over 2,000 laws just to complete that one commandment. Crazy legalism. And so Jesus says this is the greatest commandment. Now, the final time is found in the book of Luke. Now, Luke is a physician. He wrote the book of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. He hung out with Paul. And he was writing again to Jewish and Gentile believers, kind of showing how Jesus built his disciples and how Jesus launched his church. And so that's how he wrote. And this time it's different because a lawyer asked Jesus that Jesus, the master, offers a question back to the one who's questioned. And he said this, and let, let me read for you. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, put Jesus to the test again, saying, teacher. Actually, what he would have said was Rabboni, or Rabbo, Rabbi, Rabboni, teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Again, this guy did not even believe in eternal life. Jacking with Jesus yet again. And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Jesus said that to him. And then he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you shall live. Do this and you shall live. Now, some people take that out of context and they said, well, if we just love God and love people, then we have eternal, eternal life. No, if we love God and we love people, you can't do this without the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ in your heart and your life and the indwelling Holy Spirit because you've said, Jesus, I'm yours. You cannot keep this commandment on your own. You have to be transformed. And so Jesus answered these things. Now, there's something found four times really we need to pay attention to. In this church here, at First Baptist Church, we say this, a great commandment to the great, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will launch a great cause called the church. Now, we used to say we'd grow a great church, but I realized this, we don't grow the church. God does. Just like you don't grow tomatoes. You just tend the plants and the tomatoes come. Now, Tara and I tried to grow tomatoes this, this year. We grew one. One tomato. It's not very good, but we ate it, celebrated the fact that we ate it. That, that plant gave up the ghost. It's no longer. But we don't grow them. We just, uh, just kind of tended the plant. 
Uh, you don't want to be uh, my tomato plant, just, just saying. But God grows the church, we don't grow it. So we say launch is a great cause, which is the church, and that's us. If we have a commitment to love God and love people and go and share the love of God in word and deed uh, throughout the world, the, the God will launch a great cause, and that's called the church. Now this week, we're going to focus on the commandment. If it's mentioned four times, we ought to focus on it. Now, as I thought about this this week, and next week I will be in Cuba, but you've got a really special treat. Dr. Richard Cheatham, who was pastor here for 10 years, is going to be speaking next week. Uh, he was a professor at, at Texas State, and he's a wonderful communicator, communicator, a great guy, and he'll be preaching next week. And I'm excited about Dr. Cheatham coming, and he's going to be talking about the Great Commission, so don't miss that. But today, focus on the Great Commandment. And I thought about this a lot, and I read a lot of different theologians about their take on this and kind of get some understanding. And the thing is, here's, here's where I stood. This is where I came to. I knew the commandment, but I didn't know how to live it. I knew what it said, but how do I love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? How do I do that? And how do I love my neighbor as I love myself? What do I have to do to take care of people as I take care of myself? How can I put myself on the back burner and put people on the front burner? Because I'm basically selfish. Anybody else like me? I see a few timid hands. The rest of you are liar, liar, pants on fire, okay? So how do I live this way? How do I have to do it? So today, let's, let's find out. Let's discover together how to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how to love people as Jesus is loving people. So let's pray. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray, God, that you will speak through me, that it'll not be my words or my thoughts or my behaviors or even the pattern of my speech, but, Father, your truth that leads us to all understanding. And I thank you for how good you are, how amazingly kind you are. And I pray, oh God, that we will not leave here the same, but we'll leave here with great understanding. And I pray this, and we pray this in your strong name. Amen. Now, go ahead and take your uh, notes out of your bulletin to take the weekend with you notes. You want to jot some things down. I remind you again of our online resources. If you've not taken advantage of Right Now Media, which is a free content provider we have for you, which will give you hundreds, literally hundreds of the finest Christ-centered curriculum available for free on any device, your phone, your tablet, your computer. If you'll give us your email, we'll send you an invitation and we'll hook you up with Right Now Media. So that's coming, that's available. So I want you to take advantage of that, plus the other resources we load on the internet for you. So I want you to take advantage of that. So let's jump into this. So we love God because he first loves us. It is easy to reciprocate love when you are loved, correct? When you know you're loved, it's easy to love in return. Yesterday, our family celebrated the one-year anniversary of the birth of little Lily, our granddaughter. It's kind of amazing that Lily has turned one. Where did that year go? Just gone. And we celebrated with the pool party and watermelon and little Ivy was there and Lily was there. She had cake all over. It was so cute. And we had a great time, a great time with our family and friends and just a wonderful time. And as we were packing up, Ivy, the oldest one, she's three and a half. I was carrying all her hoot nanny to the car. 
And she had, you know, and of course, Ivy was carrying nothing. And Papa was her rented mule, and I was carrying everything to the car. And she looked at me, she said, Papa, do you love me? I said, yes, baby, I love you. In fact, I loved you before your mama was born. Because I've loved that little girl. Even when Kayla was a little girl, I decided to love her babies before she even had thought of having babies. And I remember that grandchildren are the reward for not killing your children. You know, they're the best thing. My dad said if I knew how great they were, I had them first. You know, that, that's right. But I love that little girl because I made a commitment to them. I would tell our children when they were little, I'd say, I can't wait to meet your husband, meet your wife. I can't wait because I love them already. And I love your, your little children already. And, and so it's, it's easy for Ivy to love me because I first loved her. It took her a little while to figure that out. It's the same with God. Pastor John said it this way in his epistle. We love God because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. It's up on the screen for you. But it wasn't just that God loved us first. It says this in Jeremiah. That he has loved us with an everlasting love. He has wooed us with tender kindness. Do you know what the word woo means? It's, it's short for winning others over. Woo. When I was dating Tara, I was wooing her. Wooing her. Winning her over. Now that, uh, now that we're married, you know, the woo is gone. The woo is gone away. No, I need to woo her. Some more. I need to continue to woo her and to love her. And guys, that's a great thing that you need to remember. You need to continue to woo your spouse. Girls, don't marry a guy that won't keep wooing you. Woo, woo, because God has wooed us over. He's loved us with an everlasting love. But it's not just an everlasting love. It's demonstrated love. It's a love that's been demonstrated to us. Paul said it this way in Romans 5 eight. But God showed his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died. It's not just a verbalized love, but it's a demonstrated love. It's a love that shows us how much he truly loves us. And it's demonstrated to us. You see, God loves us with his heart. If God says love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, God loves us with his heart. That means God is passionate about you. He loves you not just casually or not just based on your behaviors, but he's passionate about it. He loves you with your heart. Every other belief system says you have to woo God. You have to win God over. You have to appease him. You have to bring him down. Many years ago, we were in Bali. We went into a Hindu temple. I had to put on a dress and a, and a head, head piece to go into this temple. And I discovered in this temple, they spent their time appeasing their God so they wouldn't aggravate them and wooing them to come down and dwell among them. We don't have to do that because we have a God who loves us. He loves us with his heart. In fact, theologians call the final week of Christ's life his passion, the passion of the Christ. He loves us with his heart. He loves us with his mind. And the fact he knows all about us 
The Bible says this, where can I go from the presence of the Lord? If I go to the heights of heaven, he's there. If I go to the depths, he's there. He knows all the days of my life before one of them. God studies you. He's thinking about you right now. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows when you'll get up and when you'll go down. He knows all about you because God is so interested in you. He studies you. He analyzes you. And there's nothing greater than the complete love of God that analyzes and studies us. Have y'all ever been around anybody that analyzes you, that studies you? I try to do that for our staff, our, our team here. I try to know who they are, what their personality is, and what their behaviors are, how they'll act normally, and what are their interests, and how do they act under stress. Why do I do that? So I can control them. No, because I love them. I love them. And it feels so good to have somebody love you that completely. Right, Dan? It feels creepy, doesn't it, Dan? Yeah. To analyze your body language and all that stuff. And that's just, but that's how God does. He analyzes you, and he loves you with his mind. But he also loves you with his soul. And you say, wait, 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 wait. God ain't, God ain't got no soul. No, he's eternal. He doesn't have a soul. But he's given you a soul. And he loves your soul. He's the lover of your soul. In fact, he is the one who's put eternity in your heart. One day, news is going to come to you that I have died. Don't believe it. Because in that moment, I'll be more alive than I've ever been because this soul is loved by God and I will spend eternity in the presence and the care of God. And so will any one of you who call upon the name of the Lord who are saved. He loves your soul. In fact, he is the one who's put eternity in your life. In your life. But he also, God loves us with his strength. What do you mean? Because God is moving on your behalf. Moving on your behalf. Do you ever um, lay awake at night and worry about stuff? Do you? Do you ever worry about money? How are we going to make it? And the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed beg for bread. Did you know that worry is sinful? Thanks, Scott. Now you're worried that you worried because you're sitting and you're worrying and now you have more to worry about, right? I know because I'm a worrier and I've watched God move on my behalf. My dad said this, most of the stuff you worry about doesn't happen. And if it does, it doesn't amount to anything. Everything seems worse at night when God is the God who's moving on our behalf. I can't tell you how many times, how many times God has moved on Monetaire's behalf. He's amazing. He's amazing how good he is. And he loves us with his strength. A little boy came to his father and he said, Father, how's the world held up? He said, well, the world is held up. Uh, the world's held up in a, in a bowl of water. He goes, oh, well, so who's holding the bowl? He said, oh, well, the angels of God hold the bowl. He said, oh, well, who's, where are the angels standing? He said, oh, the angels are standing on the righteous right arm of God. And the little boy went away with his question answered. God holds you. And he sustains you. And he provides for you. He loves you. In the Lord's Prayer, 
we pray, give us this day our daily bread, don't we? Don't you know that the bread baked for you today was baked in the kitchen of Jesus the night before you even realized you were hungry? He's ahead of you. And he is the one who sustains you. He loves you with his strength. I've been a preacher a long, long time, and I've never exegeted this passage with that simplicity and that obvious revelation of God. Well, how do I love God in return? And that's the question. You should love the Lord. You're with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And how do I do that? Like, I'm so simple, I don't get it. So I kind of broke it down to this way. I love him with my heart, with my passion, by connecting with him, by giving my life to Jesus. That's how I love God, with my heart. I give him my heart. I give him my heart. In fact, uh, we sing a song from time to time. Jonathan dances, my heart is yours, my heart is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hands. You give him your heart, and you do that by connecting with him through Jesus Christ. But you also give your heart to the family of God called the church, and you connect with the body of believers because we need each other to live all for Jesus. Do you know this? There are 50 love one another commandments in scripture, and you cannot fulfill them if you're not connected in a family called the church. That's why we need each other. So I love God with my heart by connecting. How do I love God with my mind? I love God with my mind by growing to be like Christ. So I can think like Jesus, hear like Jesus, speak like Jesus, have the mind of Christ. So I can put God's word in my mind that I might not sin against God, that I, my character be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that whatever I say, whatever I do will be all for Jesus. I grow to be like Christ. So I love him with my mind by engaging my mind to have the mind of Christ. I grow. Then I love God with my soul by caring about your soul. By caring about your eternal destiny. By caring about your heart and your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. By praying for you, by loving you, by doing the good that needs doing, by loving the ones who need loving. We leave on Wednesday for Cuba. Why are we going to Cuba? For a great vacation. No! It's third world. We're going to be working like ridden mules the whole time we're there. While we're going, we're going to love the Cubano pastors with our souls. We want to strengthen the church in Cuba so that they may in turn strengthen each other and the Lord may sweep in a mighty movement across the island of Cuba. Cuba has been fighting for freedom for 400 years. They've been fighting for freedom politically when the freedom they need is in King Jesus, not in a politic, politician or a political system. It's the same thing with us. Because when the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. Free indeed. So we love God with our souls. And how do we love God with our strength? We love God with our strength by serving others, by meeting needs, by stepping into ministry by using my spiritual gift, my heart, my ability, my personality, my experience. So I love God.
by connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. Does that sound familiar? Does it? Y'all see that anywhere around here? Maybe a neon on a sign outside where you're stuffing a cookie or a pig in the blanket in your, in your mouth? We really mean this. Because we connect to love God. We grow to love God. We, we serve to love God. And we share because we love God. And this is how we love God. And I found that to be fascinating as I kind of put that all together. And this is the greatest commandment. But the second is like it to it that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now, how do we do that? Well, in Luke chapter 10, where we kind of focus, when Jesus is asked that question, and then the, the lawyer asks Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And that seems like a reasonable question, especially when you're a racist, when you're elitist, when you believe your people group is better than anybody else around you. Surely, not the despised Samaritans, because they're half Jew and half Assyrian. They can't be my neighbor. Surely not the Egyptians or the Babylonians or the Greeks. They're not my neighbors. They're just fodder for hell. You see, racism rears its ugly head all throughout elitism. And so Jesus told him a story. It's found here in Luke. Instead of reading to you, I'm just going to tell you to, okay? Now, here's the thing that I get in trouble. Because sometimes I think I know more than I do. Is that a shock to y'all? Okay, anyway. So I'm, you know, we're in Israel. Dan, you may remember this. We're in Israel, and we're driving down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and we see a sign that says, the location of the Good Samaritan. And I lose my theological mind. I said, this is a tourist trap. How in the world do they know the place? This is a parable told by Jesus. It's not a true event. They're just going to rip you off, sell you olive wood camels and little oil lamps. It's a ripoff. Don't ever go to that. I turned our tour guide. We'll never go to that. And I made this big blah, 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 blah about it. And this week when I was studying, many theologians said Jesus had pulled an event out of history that it actually happened, a current event that had happened in Israel during his time, and he told the story based on a true event. He just goes to show you how stupid I am. But it goes to show you how savvy Jesus is. If Jesus was told a hypothetical story about a despised Samaritan, nobody would have believed it. But he retold a story of a current event that actually happened. And it brought conviction. Huh. Here's the story. A certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, perhaps to do some business. And while he was there, he fell among thieves. The Jericho Road was a very treacherous, treacherous road, notoriously treacherous. And the thieves beat him, stripped him, took all his stuff, and left him for dead. As he lay in the gutter, dead, dying, a priest came by. What are the official people? People that are supposed to take care of people. He passed by, saw the guy laying in the gutter and thought, I can't mess with him. He's probably dead. If I touch him, I'll be unclean. I won't be not ceremonially clean. Therefore, I can't do my job as a priest for seven days. Have to wait till my uncleanness passes. It's just too much trouble. I'll pass by. And then a temple official came toddling by. He saw the man laying in the ditch and he goes, 
If I help this guy, I'm going to be late for Pastor Scott's leadership summit today at five. I can't ignore that. I won't get any ice cream. And so I can't take my time to mess with this guy. I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for this. So he passed him and then came along a despised Samaritan. <gasps> a half-breed. Unkept, unclean, unqualified. You, a Jewish person could even talk to a Samaritan. That's what Jesus said, the woman at the well, he had a conversation with the Samaritan. It blew the little Jewish boy's minds. What's he doing talking to a Samaritan woman? Doesn't he know the rules? Yeah, Jesus knows the rules all right. And he knows most, most of our rules are, there's a theological word called baloney. And so the, the Samaritan stops, helps the man, puts oil on his wounds, puts him on his animal, takes him to an inn, pays two days wages for this guy's care, and then says, I'll come back and pay whatever else is needed because I'm committed to the care of this person. And then Jesus asked the lawyer, which one was the neighbor? And he said, well, the one that showed mercy. He said, that's right. Go and do the same. So if I'm to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, and I'm going to love my neighbor. And I've heard people say, as you love yourself, you know, you, you love yourself, you take care of yourself, you're self-centered and self-conscious and self-aware and selfish. And I realized, no, no, no. That's still what it means. It means I'm to love you with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. That's what it means. That I'm going to love you like Jesus loves you. Dang, that's hard. You know, y'all are sheep. Sheep bite, smell bad. Won't do what you tell them to. Got to get a dog to run them around. But y'all supposed to love me like that. You're going, dang, that's hard. He's noisy. Bossy, thinks he knows everything. But that's how I'm supposed to love you. And when we do that, when we do that, we become the hope of the world. Because a great commitment to the great commandment launches a great church. I got some changing to do. What about you?